0: Welcome to Ask AI, the podcast that brings you insightful interviews and news from the world of Canadian artificial intelligence. This episode is sponsored by Microsoft Canada. Microsoft is committed to building trusted and responsible AI systems. To learn more, go to Microsoft.com slash AI and check out their free AI business school to start building intelligence into your solutions today. We're also sponsored by Sinchi, the global leader in data fabric technology. Visit Sinchi.com to learn how to eliminate integration and turbocharge your AI transformation. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Ask AI podcast, where we interview leaders from across Canada, making waves in artificial intelligence. Today, we have Manish Gandhi, the founder and CEO of Gradient Ascent AI. Welcome. Pleasure to have you here.
1: Thanks Melissa. And great to be here. Uh, Thanks for inviting us.
0: Absolutely. Manish has been passionate about AI for a very long time, well over 10 years ago, he built a system that could teach players how to win at pool billiards, which frankly I could use. And today he helps companies that are non-AI companies have AI, which I think is pretty cool. He has a background in engineering and also studied finance in London. Very exciting. He's passionate about food, cooking, tennis, and music with an equivalent of a bachelor's degree in music. So we want to hear a lot more about Manish as a person and Gradient Ascent AI. We'll start with you as a human being. Is there anything from your, you know, personal and professional bio that we heard about? Is there anything that's missing that our listeners simply need to know about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it captures sort of the, you know, I I like the variety. Of uh, of background, uh, and because I like many things. i I love music and I love math. Um, and I, and I love economics and finance and and design and and art. So uh, the number of things i I like are are really far too many. and and part of the reason why I sort of love data science, machine learning AI, sort of you can use the buzzword of your choice is, it really does bring together all those things, right? You, you, you can kind of be inspired by something you learned uh, about finance and apply to something that you're trying to model in AI. So, so I, love, I love that aspect um, of sort of bringing this multidisciplinary problem solving to bear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's so true, you get inspiration from everywhere. Before we dive into the AI piece of your background, I just need to know, how do you have an equivalent of a bachelor's of music? Tell me more. Like, I mean, I did my theory for piano, so I've got my exams. I've done my theory and my voice and, like, exams. But, like, what what did you do? Tell me more.
1: Yeah, so so, um, I actually grew up in India, and I play uh, Indian drums called tabla. And the way sort of the Indian music sort of system works is you also sort of go through these different grades and I kind of uh, kept going until the end of high school, and sort of achieved the grade that's equivalent of sort of a, basically a bachelor's degree in, in playing double. So, uh, yeah, a little bit different than than sort of our system here, but uh, obviously a lot of commonalities, and and uh, um, really something that that I enjoy.
0: Fascinating. Well, maybe that speaks to you as a person. I was reading some of your refer references on LinkedIn and someone said entrepreneurial spirit fully encapsulates you. And so it sounds like this has started even with music and, and going all the way with this instrument, the dubla. I think that's really cool.
1: Uh, yeah. I, I think I was, I was lucky. I, I really had sort of parents who supported me and pushed me because sometimes you as, as a kid don't really want to do these things. And then in hindsight, you realize how much you kind of learned from it. And, and again, um, this being sort of a percussion uh, instrument, drums, uh, uh, patterns are such a huge part of sort, of sort of that and music. And sort of now I kind of, I'm really not a big fan of, again, the, 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 some of how AI is described. And I like to think about patterns. And, and, and yeah, so I, I, think, I think at least the pattern side of, of what I like to do probably came from there.
0: Yeah, very neat. And they do say a lot of music is math as well.
1: <laughs> absolutely right and 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 and, and no, no no doubt there right like it's math and patterns and it's creativity and 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 it's yeah it's i mean uh it, i'm also a harry potter fan Ooh. and i think there's a quote by dumbledore about you know uh the the you know music is sort of the the only real magic there is right so so i've I kind of always stayed with me
0: that is awesome fantastic now i really like you know something else that i didn't read in your bio but that really stuck with me was how you value customer centric culture and bring that this problem solving that we've been talking about right and you know having worked with companies like honeywell aerospace bell microsoft igloo like this is all really neat and you know you run gradient ascent ai and it's about bringing ai to non ai companies I thought that was so catchy. Tell me more about that. Why, why did you choose that as your phrase? It, it, it's brilliant.
1: Well, thank you. I, I don't know how quite brilliant it is, but I, I kind of started with this idea that um, I believe ultimately um, AI, and really by AI, I, I want to make sure I kind of define how I think about AI, and I really think about it in terms of pattern recognition. Um, so not data science, machine learning, or, or, or all those things, but it's really sort of, you know, um, can we use, you know, math and data and and maybe a little bit of design too uh, to bring sort of uh, identify patterns and use those patterns to do something useful, right? Um, so so um, I fundamentally believe that this will impact all aspects of our life. Businesses, products, services, jobs, tasks, it's already in our homes and cars. Like it will be really everywhere um, over the next, you know, years or decades or however long uh, it, it takes um and so i was kind of thinking about this idea and the concept of you know all businesses are becoming software businesses to a certain sense and i think that, that trend sort of continues in that all companies over time become ai companies um, and so um at few of my previous jobs i was kind of hired to lead these ai kind of efforts but in reality what ended up happening was the companies just weren't ready. And maybe I was a little bit too eager as well. Um, And we were kind of ahead of time, Um, but I kind of identified, you know, what challenges do businesses face when it comes to becoming AI companies? Because it's inevitable. So what's the delta and how do you kind of bridge that gap? Um, So again, in my mind, you know, not just all businesses, but really all organizations will be using AI. Um, and so how do we help them get there? Part of the reason why I think all companies should become AI companies and not just sort of get their AI from a few large AI services providers, whether that's Amazon or Microsoft or Google or whoever, um, is that, you know, I think the centralization of this type of technology and data uh, is not sort of good for society, right? Uh, I fundamentally believe that more tech companies um, should own at least key differentiated data and the key differentiated models of those businesses um, in-house and develop those in-house as opposed to just use a third-party API. Um, It's a little bit of a buy versus build conversation that's beyond just the economics of it and more in terms of, you know, I think our responsibility as technology professionals is to recognize that um, few large companies having monopoly or oligopoly over AI uh, is not good. Um, and that m- if we develop these skills throughout a wide variety of organizations, so this doesn't just need to be tech companies, this could be banks, this could be retailers, this could be nonprofits. Um, it really uh, creates and develops these, these skills, this type of IP, new innovations, potentially even research that's much more widely distributed um, and that sort of fights the inequality, the concentration of power um, that comes through sort of the, you know, again, using the third party existing AI. So again, I, I, I say, you know, AI companies or non AI companies should become AI companies because um, I think that's good for the companies themselves, uh, but that's a, also good for society.
0: I love that. That there's so many nuggets that I want to dive into here. At least three questions, you know, around the challenges business face, around the centralization of data being not good for society and the responsibility that we have towards that as tech professionals. I want to start with the challenges that businesses face in that transition to truly becoming AI companies, you know, to roll with your hypothesis that all companies will be AI companies, just how all companies have to some extent become software companies, which you said earlier. When I I would say that that is partially true for sure. And so, in terms of the challenges that businesses face, one of the big ones we always hear is data, 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 data. They don't have the right data. They don't know where the data is. The data is not clean. It's siloed, you know, every, everywhere, like 6,000 different tools collecting this data, and you can't get to it. And then it's hard to look at inferences. And you, if you have one set over here and one set over there. So, my, my challenge to you is tell us what challenges businesses face. As they transition to becoming AI companies, beyond data, because we know the data uh, problems.
1: Yeah, and just to kind of emphasize that, right? Sort of hundred percent of the projects we've worked on—that's you know almost fifty projects now—data has been a problem. It always so, is. <laughs> so, so, so we'll 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 get that out of the way. But I would go. I'll kind of. I would want to sort of position that a little bit differently. Um, I think the the data challenges are a symptom, not a root cause um so 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 I think that the root causes are really again recognizing that AI is important um, and and having the mindset frankly the sense of urgency um, to work on that because I think I think if you have that in your mind that this is a priority for you you will start to prepare for it you will develop the skill set um and 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 tool set, and just kind of you know again, rolling up to this notion of mindset um, that prepares you and gets your data house in order. But you know data is just one of the kind of uh, missing pieces here. key one, but still just one of the pieces. Um And so I would you know, i I often kind of like to talk about this notion of um as much as AI is software and it is absolutely software. there's there's no nothing magic in in there. Uh, um, which is, you know, a common myth, but, um, um, it's, it's, it's about sort of recognizing that, Hey, um, we need to, um, sorry, taking a step back here. Um, machine learning development, AI development, pattern recognition development is fundamentally different than other types of software development and that lack of understanding um, is what sort of causes people to think, okay, well, when I need to build AI, I will just go build AI, right? Um, so that 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 gap, there's a lot of myths about AI. It's either people are afraid of it or they don't know it or there's just a lot of hype um, and you miss the reality in between of how you get ready for it. So I will kind of challenge and say, as much as data is a problem, I think the fundamental challenge is Everybody knows about AI, but very few people understand AI. So one of the things we really like to do, every project we do, we do one, if not more AI 101 sessions for the entire company, not not just for the team that we work with, because we think it's such an important part of our responsibility as AI practitioners to make sure that people actually understand and that, you know, their understanding for AI right now is coming from Hollywood and media. And both of which do a phenomenally terrible job of actually telling people that, wait a minute, you don't, like, like you know, here are some ways that it's better. Here are some ways it's worse, right? Um, and as as other software leaders or executives, what does this actually mean for you? Where is the risk here in you doing this? Cause there are risks and there are unknowns. Uh, um, and, and it's actually a lot more difficult than just doing software engineering, but it's not impossible. and. Here are the reasons why you should invest in it, and and not just sort of wait for Google to build an API, right? Um, so, so again, I've kind of gone around a circle here and given you maybe a really kind of long answer, but but I, again, I feel the gap comes from mindset more so than uh, what I like to say, sort of data set, skill set, or tool set, right? Um, and I think the mindset challenge. Um, is 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 the lack of understanding, lack of knowledge. There's just essentially sort of, uh, we need to do a lot of myth busting around AI, right? Um, and 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 frankly, the, there are a number of CTOs and CEOs that we work with, where I think the, the 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 sense I get from them is that they they're like, I wish I had done this few years ago, right? I wish I had done these things a few years ago, so that we would be in a better position now, right? You're kind of waiting too too late.
0: Never too soon to start is my takeaway there. I like that. The, you know, we know there's a data challenge, but I love, and you know, you didn't mince your words 100% of the time, it's always something that comes up and it always is a challenge and can be a roadblock, but data set, skill set, tool set, what a great way to think about that transition from a non-AI company to becoming an AI company or... A
1: A mindset, sorry. The big one being mindset, mindset, right? Sorry. I think you can do the other three, right? Like you can, as I said, you can buy or build or whatever you want to do with the other three. the where companies kind of fall down is the mindset part.
0: Yeah, and that and all four of those, mindset, data set, skill set, tool set, it is a very simple way of thinking about what is probably a very complex challenge. And I think it's really neat. So so you have a services oriented business, right? You're helping people make this transition. And certainly there's tech involved, but you're not like a SaaS company and you know, you're actually running a profitable business with the team. Tell us what that's like for, you know, the venture-backed people listening (laughs) who play in futures essentially. We're like, oh, in the future this is gonna happen. Like, talk to us about how you've been able to build this business and now you're tipping almost 50 projects. Now, you know, being profitable and having a team that you've funded through these contracts. Talk to me about what that's like and and how it was starting gradient ascent.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think sort of when I when I uh, I've kind of always believed that um, I'm, I'm still kind of often asked, you know, how many people do you have on your team because we kind of tend to think of team size as a proxy for so the you know company health um, in, in some ways. Um. And and us being a services company is actually a, a good metric, but you know we are also kind of trying to think beyond that and saying, how can we grow um, our revenues and in some sense our profits without necessarily growing as many people, right? So how do we deliver value to our customers without um, essentially throwing bodies at a problem, right? Um and so for example, we've, you know, tripled our revenue last year and will once again kind of grow this year. Um, but uh, thank you. But but our team uh likely or hasn't tripled and and won't be again growing um because we really want to be smart and we want to be lean and we want to um uh, focus on on the problem. I think my team would probably laugh when they listen to this, but um, you know, the phrase I use the most uh, in our company is fall in love with the problem. So um, far too often what happens within services companies is you fall in love with the solution. You know, you kind of say, okay, uh, since the hammer I have is AI, every nail is going to get an AI. Whereas we really kind of like to take a step back and we use AI in our marketing, but really kind of say, no, we are here to help our customers, you know, win and succeed. thrive and grow and in some cases survive in our ai-powered world right Um, and that means the the problem uh, is separate from the solution and sometimes the solution is ai sometimes it's not and and sometimes it's just just something simple that maybe we can help maybe we can't help Um, but what becomes really key is you know how do we help our customers win and i want to be clear like that's different from this notion of customer is king, right? Because that's really sort of very common, you know, being empathetic with customers and understanding customers. And and of course that's critical, but I like to kind of think about it one step beyond. The goal here is to make customers successful because if customers are successful, then the business kind of takes care of itself. Um, And making customers successful, especially with the work that we do, sometimes requires us challenging the customers, asking them uncomfortable questions, saying no. I mean, I, we say no very frequently to saying, no, we're not going to take on this big thing. Let's start small. Let's do this right. Um, and, and, and getting customers down the right path, right? Like we will, we will, and we have multiple examples where we've done this. We've helped customers hire their internal teams, right? Um, because as I said, we believe that they should be AI companies. The goal is not for us to sell them more billable hours, so to speak. The goal is for us to help them become AI companies. And the reality is when we do that, um, if they win, um, we, we, we end up winning.
0: I love that. And that just speaks to, you know, what was in your bio earlier on, that, that customer-centric standpoint and being problem-oriented, you know, falling in love with the problem. And I think it was really evocative the way you put it. Just because we have an AI (laughs) hammer doesn't mean we go and nail in AI on everything. You know, we can just find other solutions to the problem sometimes, and sometimes we're using AI to solve those problems. And I think that that is very wise. And I I appreciate that very much.
1: Honestly, many times we will tell our customers that, hey, we are not a good fit here, right? Um, uh, Hey, you should actually buy this, right? There is an API, just go use that because this is not a As much as I kind of believe that companies should own their own AI, uh, there are cases where that that does not make sense. Um, And I think us having a, we have to have confidence in our own ability uh, to advise the client uh, without sort of self-interest, right? Um, And hence, we really kind of focus on this notion of, you know, um, help customers win Um, grow, and I kind of struggle with which verb to use here, you know, win, grow, thrive, survive, right, whatever, um, in our AI-powered world. Like, what does that mean? Because for different customers, that means different things. But ultimately, really, when we are successful, what we've done is we've turned um, our customers into AI companies, right, which means we've delivered, you know, real, tangible, meaningful, impactful AI solution or advisory to them, Um, so that, you know, they can, as I said, win in this AI power.
0: That's fascinating. And now I want to swing back to something else you spoke about earlier and has come up a few times now, APIs, APIs, APIs. And, you know, the centralization of data being not good for society, completely agree. It's also really hard to do. And it's also really hard to get it right. And you need that critical mass to even get enough meaningful data. So it's very hard for smaller companies starting out to even remotely be competitive in that space. You know, tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of data points, which I remember we were playing with in our early days, like tens of thousands of data points. It's just not enough. It's, it's, you need millions and billions, right? And so talk to me a little bit more about the responsibility we have as tech professionals, like you said, to try to reduce the centralization of data and how you think about homegrown data and homegrown algorithms on top of homegrown data versus APIs which you know of course sometimes sometimes API is the right call but talk to me a little bit more about the frameworks you use in evaluating that that those homegrown data sets and homegrown algorithms versus existing APIs
1: um yeah and in i think for us um, it often boils down to feasibility so can i actually do this with the amount of data that that you have And I think increasingly, I would agree with you that we are in a world where um, the more data you have, the better your outcome is. Uh, And so there is sort of a natural tendency to to ignore uh, or or try to avoid taking on challenges where there is not enough data. Um, I would say we we need to uh, sort of resist that urge and say, okay, I recognize that if I had 10 times more data, I could create a better model here but I don't have it and let's not fall for the trap of um, going and and using an API. Um, Instead, let's stick with the data we have, do the best we can and work with our customers and their customers um, to actually um, educate and inform and explain the benefits to say, hey, accept this short-term perhaps underperformance but for a much better longer term bet. And I think we've found actually this multiple times when people understand the trade-off, um, it's better. And and honestly, I, I the analogy I would use is, you know, when Apple got in trouble for Siri because Siri wasn't as good, um, they could have just used a third party API because in some ways they didn't have enough data, right? Um, but they didn't, and, and, and what that has led to is an independent solution, now you have some competition. Um, maybe one's better in some areas, the other's not. But the point I'm trying to make is, is this is a long game, and when you oftentimes look at people's buy versus build decisions, they're making short-term decisions. They're saying, oh, because the in-house solution is not as good as the third-party API, let's not do the in-house solution. Versus actually saying, and and, and and again, to be fair, this only makes sense if you believe that the in-house solution is a, a core differentiated and it's strategically something we need to do in-house, right? So we are assuming that is the case. This is purely from a quality feasibility perspective. Um, yeah, we, we really do encourage and push for, um, and hence, again, we like to do things like AI 101 so that not just the team we work with, but the executives and in some cases, even the board understand the trade-offs and then can make the right decisions, right? Because these are not decisions we can always make for our customers. Um, We obviously strongly believe that, hey, if the data is core to you, if this use case is core to you, if this technology is core to you, do not, um, you know, do not, sorry, it's not about do not, but more about do this in-house, do this the right way, even if this takes you a little bit longer. Um, I think customers, when explained, understand that, hey, I get it, this is going to get better over time, and I get why I probably don't want to send my data to some third-party API.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That was that was fascinating. Thank you for sharing the way that you're thinking about these things. And as we get towards the end of our time here, you know, we want to also, through the Ask AI podcast, give Canadians a roadmap. You know, we've talked about your background, we've talked about how you started the company, we've talked about what you were thinking about at the time, we've talked about the core services that you offer, and even talked about the challenges you face and the way that you work with clients to make sure they get their best outcomes, sometimes whether that's with or without you, right, where you've been able to say, no, like, this doesn't make sense, Um, or no, don't don't build this in-house, use this API, right? What other... Words of wisdom would you have for our listeners who are thinking about AI but maybe nervous or feel like it's too complicated or you know this AI one hundred and one that you do for entire companies? What's a three sentence version of AI one hundred and one with encouragement to say, hey, like you can learn this too, you can join this
1: sector. Um, great question, and and I would kind of go back to and make a make a sort of a silly joke here, which is you know. Um, AI is not rocket science, it's data science, right? <laughs> I love it. Uh, and, and what really I'm kind of trying to convey here is um, most people, most of us did enough high school math and we've done something like a regression. And really what we're trying to do with AI is use you know, much more sophisticated versions of regression um, to do pattern recognition and then use that pattern recognition um to solve a variety of different problems right um so i think i think we as an industry do f- a phenomenally great uh, and by that i mean really terrible uh, job of branding things and confusing people and making it sort of scary um or cool right like like i think they're kind of the two sides of the same coin right it's hype or fear uh it's fiction versus fact right and and Um, what I would really tell people is, is, you know, even a basic kind of understanding of this will demystify it, will right away, give you opportunity to kind of start thinking about where to use this in your business. And, and oftentimes, um, the applications are in automation. Okay. I can take something and automate it, right? I can, I can, I can do better contracts analysis, um, or faster contracts analysis, I can make a faster credit risk decision. I can better figure out if my customers are happy or not, if they're about to leave me. There's a bunch of areas where you can automate things. Um, and I think for those of, of the listeners who are sort of more um, ambitious, what I would kind of say is we need to kind of think beyond that, those automation use cases um, and really think about what can AI do or what can AI help us do um, that we couldn't actually do before at all, right? What new possibilities does it open up beyond just the economics of, um, great, I can, you know, automate this process, and now I can sort of, you know, free up these people to do something else, right? Um, and I think and I think we are only barely scratching the surface there of what can AI do that I couldn't do before? And, and that's where I kind of, you know, as much as I know I've been sort of beating up on the, big tech a little bit um where some of the work say deep mind is doing around you know um AlphaFold or OpenAI is doing around dolly uh, it's it's fascinating right and and you can kind of see that if we can get these things to actually really work um the world that we will have 10 years from now uh will you know we can't really imagine right like i think i think uh the no. the 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 promise here is great. Um, obviously, I I I see. I'm also pessimistic. Like I'm I am fundamentally concerned about the concentration of power, about the ethics of uh, use of AI. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 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 worried about a bunch of issues here. But my my suggestion to people, um, and even if you don't run a business, if you're just a citizen, look at these issues because these are really relevant issues. And there's a bunch of optimistic cases here too. And let's make sure that that's where we end up, whether again, in business or in government or in policy.
0: Brilliant. And I mean, you you answered my next question, which was like, what are you thinking about? What are you excited about? what are you What are you worried about? And of course, you're worried about the concentration of power, and you're excited at the same time about what we can do now with AI that we could never do before without it. And one of the things you reference, just for folks who maybe haven't heard of this, uh, it's Dolly. Um, through open AI, and I'm just pulling up an example that I saw on Twitter that I loved. So Dolly creates images from text. And so, for example, someone on Twitter was like, draw a lion that is king of the shipping containers town. And then Dolly drew this and they kept giving it the same prompt over and over again. So you can see all these various versions of this lion king of a shipping container town. And it's just so funny to see the different ways that DALL-E drew this and, and created this. And that's fully generated by AI, which is pretty cool. Like, pretty, pretty cool. So I highly recommend you go check that out. That is OpenAI's DALL-E, which is dall e And as far as I know, it um has been, it's it's pretty new. And I'm seeing most of these news articles for April 6th, where they're really talking about this tool being available as well.
1: Yeah, this is the second version of the tool. There we go. Um, and just significantly better than the, the 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 first one. And and the progress there is what's, again, as you put it, both exciting and scary, right?
0: Exactly. Well, as with all AI, exciting and scary.
1: <laughs> and then as with really all technology, right? Like, I mean, I think that's just the nature of technology, but that doesn't mean we kind of, kind of... Um, Put it put it out of out of our, our our mind, right? Like I think the other analogy that comes to my mind is is vitamin versus painkiller, right? Um, is AI a vitamin or a painkiller? And we are finding most companies are kind of really thinking of it as a vitamin. Uh, in most cases, it really is a long term improvement versus a painkiller, where it goes and solves a short term problem, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: and, and and how you kind of think about that uh, for your business is, is, is critical.
0: For sure. Well, Manish, thank you so much for being with us today. So many incredible nuggets. Honestly, I could have kept talking to you for another 30 minutes at least. But we all have things that unfortunately we probably need to work on instead of just having this incredible and engaging chat. So thank you very much again for your time. Any parting words?
1: Uh, no, thank you for having me as well. And and again, uh, to those of you who are new to AI, um, it's fun. Embrace it. <laughs> uh, it is the it is the future. And um, anytime, if there is anything I can do to help, I consider sort of educating people a really big part of my responsibility, not a part of our business, just um, our responsibility as a professional in this space. And so if we can help you or your business or your school or anything like that with uh, um, with with informing and educating people, um, we are we are always happy to help.
0: Amazing. Well, that's Manish Gandhi. Please reach out to him with Gradient Ascent AI. And of course, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Microsoft Canada and Sinchi Remember to send us your questions, feedback and community news at info at askai.org. And be sure to check out our team check-ins to learn more about what other startups working in AI are doing across Canada. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Ask AI podcast. The sponsors of this episode were Microsoft Canada, producers of the Free AI Business School, and CINCHI, the dataware platform that makes integration obsolete. The series producer was Chris McClellan. The series editor was James Fajardo. Original music was provided by Mike Letourneau. To learn how to be featured on our podcast and get information about sponsorship and volunteering opportunities, please visit our website at askai.org, send us an email to info at or talk to our bot by visiting askai.org forward stroke chatbot.